and welcome to another edition of How Good Is Rugby League. I'm Emmanuel Penklis. And my name is Michael Corbin. Emmanuel, we had a bit of a hiatus last week. Michael, we thought we'd have a break and just see if we had anything to fill and look what's happened during that time. I, I don't even know where to, where to begin, but um, I'm guessing we should start with, since the last time we spoke, uh, we were talking about um, the CEO of the NRL, Todd Green, the then CEO of the NRL, Todd Greenberg, being in the firing line. Since then, he has resigned and is no longer leading the NRL. He finished up last Monday. So the Monday, the previous Monday. Surprised? How do you feel? Oh, I'm not surprised. We kind of, the writing was on the wall. We kind of thought this was going to happen. Yeah, his job was kind of doomed the moment this corona outbreak happened. The NRL and Channel 9 were looking for some sort of reason to get rid of him and all the cards are falling into place. And now that there's this issue and the the NRL's financials have come to light during this pandemic, like I said, the writing on the wall was like, now, now we can get rid of him. Unfortunately, I think the issue was that Greenberg inherited a lot of these financial issues. Yeah. But I can yeah. understand, I can, the, the problem is he didn't fix them. He's been, he's been in charge for, what, four or five years now? And none of those issues that he inherited have been fixed. And I think that's the bigger issue. Yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit mixed on it. I, especially in the events of the last few days, I don't see how Todd's removal has changed anything. I actually was having a look before just to see the reaction when Todd Greenberg was appointed. Um, And common comments were, he understands Clubland. He's a football insider. He understands the game. He's been around it before. None of that changes in the last four years. Um, I feel like he was a bit of a a victim uh, in terms of he had to work with three different chairs, three different strategies, three different approaches um, one chairman was happy to spend all the money to shore up his job. The next chairman was a politician who did not know a um, Newcastle Knights jersey or a Cronulla football team. So that was a bit of a write-off. And then the third chairman is probably the one who he would have had the most potential to get along with if it weren't for the fact he'd been in the job for four years. So um, I actually think he was a bit unlucky to lose his job. But as you said, the writing was on the wall. The broadcasters wanted a scalp. Um, I'm not sure how much would have changed had he been there this week, um, but we'll come to that a bit later. Um, but, you know, since then, we know Andrew Abdo um, is the acting CEO now. He is, and he was already in the NRL executive. He was the COO. He's the acting CEO. Um, it's got this tick of approval from Phil Rothfield, who wants to give him time in the job because he feels he deserves it. So that must mean he's going to be there for a while. Yeah. It looks like Abdo is going to hold this position for the foreseeable future. I don't see... I can't see the NRL rushing to appoint a new CEO at the moment. At the at the present time, Peter Valandis is doing a great job speaking with all the uh, stakeholders and whatnot, you know, the broadcast, the broadcasters, New South Wales and federal government, Queensland government. He's doing a great job, uh, you know, mitigating everything that's try, uh, trying to, you know, reason with all of them to try to get this game up and running. 
just back to Greenberg, I think one of the major the one of the major reasons why he he resigned was that yeah, you said that he's he understands the clubs, he's a club guy. One of the one of the big criticisms of him was he was quite arrogant towards the clubs. And that pissed off a few yeah. owners and uh, uh, leads of the clubs. And I also think that his relationship with Channel 9 had completely shattered. And when he wasn't going to those meetings to try to restart the comp and it was just Peter Belanders, you could see straight away his time was his time was up. Yeah. Um, just on that whole acting CEO for a while thing, I, the issue I have is that if we have an acting CEO for a while... Um, it's sort of the same situation that we had in 2015, which is the cause of all these problems. Dave Smith stepped down, Greenberg was appointed months later, and the chairman was sort of running the show, John Grant, and that created a few of the problems that we have today. So um, I don't, it doesn't appear as though Peter Volandis wants this job full time. Um, he's obviously got racing New South Wales, but it, it is something that could come up down the track because. They seem to be in this situation where we have this very, you get a very hands-on chairman and then there's sort of a power struggle between the CEO and the chairman. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But obviously, it's not the pressing issue for the game. No, the pressing issue is when is this competition going to start? We have a date. It's May 28th. Uh, what that comp will look like. We know it's going to be a 20-round competition. Uh, the grand final will be played on October 25th, I believe. And yep. Yep. State of Origin will be held at the end of the season. Now, the reasoning for State of Origin being held at the end of the season is State of one of State of Origin's great appeals is that the crowd really gets behind the game, right? When you go to Queensland, you want to run out to 50,000 Queenslanders booing you or cheering you, right? So by putting this game, by putting State of Origin at the end of the year, it gives the, the pandemic time to settle down and for the possibility of crowds uh, being allowed to enter games uh, further in the future. And I, I understand that now, whether you want to be playing, whether, whether you know, players will want to be putting their all in at the end of the season when they could be you know, going off to Bali, even though, Travel might not be <laughs> travel might not be allowed, but they might be going up to the Gold Coast. Who knows? They very might be ambitious. Very, very ambitious. ambitious. They might be going up to the Gold uh, Coast or something. They want to get away. And, you know, the, the reason State of Origin is so great is it's in the middle of the season. You know, it's, it's that yeah. little bit of time off and everyone rallies around it. Whether it will be as effective at the end of the season, I don't know. Well, they can't be trusted going to Tari, let alone to Bali. So let's move on. Um, so this comp, <laughs> this comp is going to be 20 rounds. Two of them have already been played. It's going to be 18 consecutive weekends from that May 28 date. Um, so the draw is going to be redone. Um, there's a lot of chat about Souths and the Roosters opening the comp, which was going to be that round three game anyway. Um, would not surprise me. Obviously, there's a lot of... Um, there's less crowd interaction, so it's all about what gets bums on seats in front of the television. Rivalries are going to be a big thing. Um, so I'm going to expect a lot of inter-Sydney games and a lot of the Queensland derbies to the extent they can happen. So every team's going to play each other once and there's going to be five more games. So there's extra five games. I'd imagine you see Parramatta playing Canterbury again. You'd see South playing the Roosters again. You'd see the Bulldogs playing um, Manly again. You'd see Penrith and Parra and you'd have all that happening. 
Um, interesting thing, no buys. That is, a, I think that's huge. Um, so it means that you really have to get it together. You can't rely on those um, two points and the break to sort of recalibrate your season. Momentum becomes crucial. Momentum is really important. Um, and then, so the first week of the finals is going to be that weekend the grand final would normally be. The other thing I've noticed is that apparently the world, is it the T20 World Cup, is going to be, is meant to be at the SCG on the 24th of October. And the grand final is penciled in for the 25th of October. So mm -hmm. if the Cricket World Cup, T20 World Cup goes ahead, we're going to have a grand final at Bank West. I did not know that. Now, yeah, yeah, from from what I've heard, the stadium the stadium refurbishment at ANZ is going ahead, so ANZ will be out of commission. So yeah, wow, we might have an idea. I did not know this. This is news to me. Okay, Bankwest is a is a great stadium, um, but is it big enough to hold? Oh, but okay, if there's no crowds, why does it matter? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, so obviously the hope is that they get crowds there, but I can't see, even if there are crowds, I can't see it being allowed to be capacity anyway. We don't know what's going to happen between now and then. Um, but it is an interesting, you know, sort of uh, footnote in this whole thing is that we could end up with a grand final at a 30,000 seat stadium yeah. after all that, which if there's no crowds, doesn't matter so much. But I think the really interesting thing is going to be um, momentum is going to be crucial. Um, it's 18 consecutive weeks that, that it has huge ramifications if players have niggling injuries. Um, we've already seen players, uh, teams start behind because they've rested players early, thinking they could make it up later in the season. Um, and so if you have players that pick up um, injuries in around round 10 and they miss four games, that's 20% of your season um, and there's no week off to recover which is crucial. And then the other thing is it looks like um, Origin is going to be commencing either the week after the grand final, two weeks after the grand final. And how does that work if you're an Origin player in a team that doesn't make the finals or a team that um, drops out in the first week of the finals? Your match fitness is going to be seriously underdone. It's not going to be like um, mid-season Origins that we normally have where players are at their peak fitness, they go into camp, they're all motivated and excited. Maintaining that energy in the long, longer November days and the longer November nights for these players to be in camp and training when the weather's warming up is, is going to be really interesting to watch as well. Yeah, and you'd think that, you know, those teams that do get uh, taken out early, who don't make the finals, those players, some of them, you know, may be locked in for an origin spot, but... You know, the coaching, the selection staff might see these other players playing in the finals and pick them. You know, it. the, the beauty about having it mid-season is you get to see all these teams play at once. But if half the competition is knocked out by the time you're selecting a team or even more, some players might miss out just because their team didn't make it to the final. Um, I understand what you say about momentum. Uh, I completely agree. One thing that I think you will see is a lot of teams will really want to come out and try to win early get on top of the ladder and then by by finals time, you may be able to rest a couple of players here and there. I think that's going to be one of the tactics that definitely the Roosters will try and utilize. I know we started slow, but if we can get yeah. a couple of wins in the first, you know, 10 rounds, if we can get eight or nine wins in the first 10 rounds, then you can start, you know, 
taking the foot off the pedal a bit, resting players, and that's how you're going to do it. It's going to take a lot more. It's going to take the, the smart teams are really going to benefit from this, I find. Yeah, and, but, and so many things don't matter now. Um, you know, there's always talk about who's got the tough run home in terms of travel. Um, I know that one year Souths, I think last year Souths finished, um, they had a game in New Zealand and then a game in Melbourne. All that's out the window. Broncos playing in front of big Brisbane August-September crowds in the lead into the finals. The Cowboys having handy games, um, games at Amy Park. None of that matters now. So that's another factor as well. It's sort of you need that momentum, but where do you draw the inspiration from? You don't have the, the wind in your sails having played a couple of games at home, got some handy wins, and then gone on the road to um, keep those points rolling in. So um, it's really fascinating from that point of view just to see how the clubs manage all this um, and I, it, there's still a lot of questions we obviously the draw is I think expected to be announced in the next couple of weeks I still don't know how they're going to do it uh, one thing I read was alternating between Bankwest and ANZ for as long as they can um, but I'm pretty sure that ANZ will be out of use from end of June from memory so after that I don't know if they're going to play it Bank West and Penrith or the SCG. I mean, it's very up in the air. Yeah. Another issue was that teams are hoping to go back to training on Monday. Uh, I think that's been pushed back because the Australian government hasn't signed off on, you know, the biosecurity measures that need to take place to get this competition up and running. I think the date that I heard now is May 5th, but we'll, we will see it, you know, Queens, uh, New Zealand still hasn't been, the Warriors have not, still haven't been given permission to enter the country yet. Uh, Queensland teams obviously have an issue getting across the border. So there's still a lot of things up in the air. Uh, there's a big meeting on Friday with uh, the Project Apollo team and the heads of governments to try and uh, yeah. hash all this out. So we will, we yeah. will know more probably Friday night over the weekend. We'll hear a lot more. And then once all that's done, we'll start getting into the scheduling and whatnot. Yeah, the other thing um, I heard today in the Maddie Johns podcast, Cooper Johns was saying that the Storm actually don't have permission to train together by the Victorian government either, and they're and they're actually looking at considering moving to the um, to Albury to the New South Wales Victorian border to try and um, conduct their training within New South Wales. So. Um, that is a factor. And then, as you said, the National Cabinet has to decide as well. So a lot of moving pieces that all really need to fall into place. Um, so they're talking about 4th of May maybe becoming an education day for the players in terms of what the requirements are for biosecurity. And then on the 5th of May, they can start training. So you've got all these moving pieces, Corbs, all these things coming together, negotiations with broadcasters, governments, stadiums. You try and put it all together for the sake of the players and those people that work in the clubs that have been stood down and you just sit there and you hope nothing else will go wrong. Nothing else will happen. I don't have to put out any more fires. If everyone can just keep their shit together and what happens? What happens? Emmanuel, come on. This is rugby league. There's always going to be a headline. Some player is going to be involved in something stupid, (laughs) right? They can't help themselves. And they everyone's everyone's really seen the footage. Everyone's seen the photos. All all it's the, just, all it's, the players. All the players have been asked to do is to social isolate, like everybody else. Everybody else is doing it. But yeah, it's, you know, a couple of players have broken those rules. Uh, Latrell Mitchell, Josh Adokar, uh, Tyrone Roberts Davis, and 
Nathan Cleary in a separate incident um, yeah. have all broken those rules and they've all come under fire and now they're going to cop a, a one-match ban, I believe. They've copped a hefty fine as well. Now, I know you don't, I know you disagree with the fines, uh, with the with the punishment, and so do I. What do, you, what do you think they should have got? Okay. I'm coming at this as a massive fan of rugby league, okay? One of the game's biggest players and a, a player of that plays at my club has has done something he's not allowed to do. This is not this is an incident and this is this is an incident that's occurred based on rules that everyone needs to abide by. It, part of the whole point of this is that everyone is in this together. Okay. We've heard it over and over again. Everyone needs to by, be abide by the rules. They're frustrating for everyone. No one wants to be doing this. No one wants to be stuck at home. It's not enjoyable. No one's having a great time. It is just what we've got to do. Um, the effort is working. Um, and I just can't believe that footballers who are already being criticised, but why are they getting dispensation? Why should they be allowed to play? Um, we've seen the impact and the, the, the importance of the fact that footy needs to get back onto the field. We need games to be playing for the survival of the clubs. This has been mentioned so many times. We have friends that work at these clubs that have been stood down um, we know people that work in the rugby league that have been stood down because the game needs the money based on the players going onto the field and the games being played on television. Okay, these people are being held to a higher standard. I have to watch news articles every night about projects and plans and negotiations and everything. And it just absolutely shits me that these guys have gone out and done this. It's just so stupid. And if you're going to do it, why film it? Why put it up? Yeah. Now, one of the one of the big problems is the NRL is trying to build this trust with the government that they're going to do the right thing, right? The whole the whole preface of this competition starting on May twenty eighth is that the NRL and its players are going to abide by the rules set out by the government, and there's going to be a trust factor there. Yeah. Straight away, that trust was broken. These these four players have broken the trust of the NRL and the government, and it's. It, if I was if, if there was another issue I would straight away if I was the Premier of New South Wales be like no, you can't have a competition you got your players aren't abiding by the rules that we've set out why why should yeah. we let you go ahead with your competition it makes yeah, and it's, it's, it is frustrating it's completely frustrating and the worst thing is they've all tried to play it off as if it wasn't a big deal which yeah, is the worst thing yeah well, when I heard, I was completely exasperated and I was almost at the point where I, I don't even want to watch them. I don't want to watch them. Like all this effort, all this hype, the exemptions and everything, and this is how they repay the fans. This is, this is really how, all it comes down to. Like all this is happening. You know, clubs have been sent emails, pledge your membership, buy merchandise, support your club and all this. For what? For what, like, and it, it was just, it's so frustrating. And the worst part of it is, you're right, it's the, it's the, they're playing it off. And, you know, when we first heard in about Nathan's story yesterday, and the, the initial thoughts were, oh, they just stopped by, they were getting an Uber, it was Anzac Day. And that story for me raised more questions than answers. Firstly, where were these people going? Where can you go on Anzac Day? At that, like, where could you go? Nothing is, nothing is open. Like, we're in a shutdown. They were getting an Uber to go where? None of it made sense. 
None of it made sense. And of course, he got caught out on it today. Yeah, the TikTok video was quite incriminating, doing the TikTok dance, the, the isolation TikTok dance. Did it pretty poorly as well, if I might add. But yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, he's, he dug his own, he dug his own grave, a bit, uh, grave a bit there, clear. He tried to pass it off. Oh, they're just stopping by. And then he gets caught out. It's like, his dad must be furious at the moment. This is the guy that the Penrith Panthers have decided they want to build their club around. Right? He's the face yeah. of their team. He's the leader on yeah. and off the field. And he goes and does something stupid like this. And his dad's the coach. It's like, how frustrating yeah. can you be as a father and as, you know, a head of that organization? Uh, Gus Gould came out and started really berated him on nine uh, this afternoon, I think, saying that his, his suspension and his uh, penalty should be reevaluated just for the yeah. fact that he lied. Yeah, well, exactly. And, like, how can you not be disappointed? I mean, he actually comes across as an intelligent... Like, we've, we've spoken about smart players, right? And, like, players that you build a team around and you think, like, your Cooper Crumbs, your Cameron Smiths, and he's been touted as one of those players of the future, right? You, Penrith have done it. They built the club around him. He's been the state halfback. He's the state halfback. He's regarded as the best halfback New South Wales have which means he's one of two choices for Australia. It's either him or the Queensland halfback. This could, he could be the national halfback, and this is the leadership he's setting for all those people. It's absolute, it's, it's absurd. It makes no sense. And the, look, we texted each other, obviously, yesterday or this morning about the punishments. I thought they were very lenient, to be honest. Um, yeah, I agree. But... As the point has been raised today, I think by Phil Gould from memory, it is you don't want to set a precedent where you're going to end up with 50 players missing the season. Because yeah, we that's were... Like, like, yeah. I, my, my preferred... I would have thought that two weeks being, you know, if you're in quarantine, it's two weeks. You know, if you... If you, when, you when you contract coronavirus, you need to be separated from everyone for 14 days. I thought a two-week yeah. penalty was fair, maybe even a bit more, maybe three weeks. Uh, one week yeah. just doesn't doesn't seem like it's going to affect these guys. I know Mal Meninga came if out. It's and, suspended. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. That's that's one of the bigger issues. Uh, Mal Meninga came out and said that he can't see himself picking Latrell or Adokar in the Australian team based on this, just because of the lack of trust and what their, yeah. their, their image that they've portrayed of the game. Yeah. And look, there's obviously concern now that all this stuff is going <clears> to... <throat> there's going to be digging around and all the clubs are going to be caught out on this, which is one of the risks in putting in these harsh punishments because if you end up... See, I, my mentality was they should be banned for the season. And then, uh, which is sort of more like a frustration thing at the time, but I don't think I was alone in that view. Um, but... I mean, if you had that situation and then you had, say, 30 players caught, 20 players caught, you lost a team's worth of, from, and you lost stars. Like, these are stars of their respective clubs. Yeah. Latrell is the, is the signing for Souths for the off-season. It's the coup from the rivals. That's the, the yeah. player they wanted. You've got Cleary, who's the club at Penrith is built around. And you've got Adokar, who is an absolute flyer on the wing for his club, um, who's also had previous indiscretions before this one based on Corona, which is even more concerning. They just don't listen 
And I think one of the things that the game must be thinking is we keep it financial. It probably hits them harder. Yes, I don't know, maybe. But at the same time, um, it is probably more important to get these players into their routine um, when the season starts. But I think, you know, at the same time, how can they be trusted? How can, how can you honestly trust them? They, if all these strict guidelines are going to come into place from Monday or Tuesday, 4th or 5th of May, whenever it is, how, how is this going to be regulated? And this is something we discussed last week or two weeks in our last podcast. How do you monitor this? Yeah. I, I think it's going to be difficult. I, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think they'll be the last four plays that get cited? No. No, no, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I think I think more players will get caught. But out. yeah, but I think one of the problems is, and it's not going to really stop until the same as remember last summer's um, sex videos and all that. Yeah, when, the, when really, the season starts. Yeah. Well, when the season starts, and also when the person gets caught and ends up with what that sentence that they got, whatever it was, was it jail? Or that severe sentence they got, they've finally put an end yeah. to it. Yeah. And so until it, until it gets to the point where a harsh punishment comes down, is it going to stop? I mean, I, the fine, okay, is a, is a lot for, is, a, is what, 50,000 suspended. Yeah. But if you're on 750, I don't know, is it, is it a huge it's, impact? It is, it is a bit of an impact. It's, it's not small, it's, it's a big fine. But then again, like, they'll brush it off. I don't think it's. I think it's going to be an issue. Like you said, one of one of the things that will stop these players from doing stupid things is when they're back in that routine with their club. Everyone's on their own yeah. at the moment, and we said this: the smart players are going to benefit from this period, and the players who are going to, you know, go around and not care about this stuff are going to be the ones who struggle. I hope that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I hope that Latrell can come back from this and be great. I like. I love Latrell as a as a Roosters fan. I loved him on the win. I loved him in the centers. I loved what he could do. He's an absolute spark plug. Um, I hope he can accomplish what he wanted to do at South. But yeah, you know, this this is a worrying sign, and he's got an image issue at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Are you, you and I really just hope that. I mean, Wayne Bennett is notorious for being a fantastic man manager, and I hope that he is able to take care of the trouble. Because I mean, one of the things is I think that it's. You, you're a victim of your own success in the, in the fact that he won two premierships. Like, he had done it all in the game within, what, his first four seasons. He's won more premierships than everyone else in the South lineup. Yeah. He's, he's just so, like, I mean, and, and how, do you, how do you stay, like, you, like, after any success, like, any personal success that anyone has, you make an achievement and it, it's so hard to stick your course and stay motivated which is why winning back-to-back premierships is so hard because teams just fall off and they lose their desire. How do you, how do you get a player of his age and his talents who has tasted success, has won origins, has played for Australia, how do you keep that motivation? Like, what's the incentive for him? Yeah, what, does he get fulfilment out of playing rugby league anymore is the big question. And when that, when yeah. that trails off, that's when, that's when their performance starts to lag and that's when they stop caring and... Yeah. That's where the issues and, arise. Yeah, and and who's responsible for that, really? I mean, you can see in, in the cutthroat business of rugby league, there's only so much, in my opinion, that the club can do. I mean, 
if the, the, the Roosters seem like a very good club for developing their players and taking care of their players, and we know that so many people speak highly of Nick Politis and everything like that. Um, and so if a player knocks that back, that club will obviously not feel a responsibility. And so he's at South now, and, and I think South have to have to do something to keep him keep him on track and keep him motivated and, and look out for him just as a, a well-being kind of thing. And I think I've seen some of the some of the stuff I've seen on Instagram. So Adam Reynolds is spending a lot of time with his kids and like doing all these Nike exercise activities. Um, Damian Cook's got a young kid. Tom Burgess has a young kid, and it, it's. Um, and Cam Murray is always posting photos with a girlfriend and it's kind of like they've got that and it's sort of what drives him, who's around him, what, who's he, what, what keeps him motivated, what does he enjoy? And if it is going to Tari and being with his family, that's fine. But at the same time, he should not be exempt from the rules. No, I completely agree. No, no player is exempt from the rules. That's the thing. Right off. Let's let's get off the uh, discussion of uh, these indiscretions. Uh, some lighter news: Josh Morris is officially a rooster. Uh, he's set to suit up against the Bunnies when the season kicks off again in that opening game. Uh, he actually took a shot today at uh, the, his former club, the Sharks, just saying that the Roosters' training regiment is much better than what the Sharks have put together over the last few years, and you can tell the difference straight away. I don't know. I'd, as a Roosters fan, I, I get happy hearing stuff like this. Um, I know Robbo's an incredible coach and I know how he motivates. I know the way he motivates his players and the, the rigorous training that he puts them through is uh, different to most clubs. Um, it's basically him in Melbourne. But yeah, it was brought a smile to my face when I heard that. Um, and then um, the other piece of news going around is... David Fafita has been ruled out of the Broncos restart, um, which as a momentum thing, as we discussed, could be a, a bit of an impact for them. So um, these are the things that could pop up. If other players get injuries, I mean, that'll be, that'll be a problem as well. But he's looking at a mid-June comeback. So what, around week three? Yeah, it's, it's normally this, the injury, I think it was a torn meniscus. A meniscal tear, it can take yeah. anywhere between four weeks and three to four months. So you hope it's on the shorter yeah. side. Um, he's a huge loss for the Broncos. He was fantastic in those first two games. Uh, that run in game in the first game of the season was just incredible. Um, yeah, he's going to be sorely missed. And yeah, I I was actually a bit disappointed when I heard that because I really like watching David Fafita play. Yeah, exactly. And talking about momentum, and Brisbane had that great start to the year. So um, they were a team that would want to keep going strong, um, keep going strongly. So a bit of a loss for them. And I'm wondering what other players will get pre-season injuries. I reckon there'll be a couple. Players will be rusty. Some players won't be physically fit. Um, and others, I think, everyone's just going to have a, a couple of um, rough few weeks. I reckon before the season gets going. So yeah, just the lack um, of access to training stuff. Yeah, it's just like the yeah, lack of exactly access to right. training stuff and all the equipment that you're used to. It's going to cause a bit of rust. Your body's going to not be as ready as you know. You you've been on hiatus for six seven weeks, and your yeah. body's not going to be. You're not game fit. You're not match fit. It's basically yeah. restarting. It's starting the competition back at round one, but some teams have points. Some some teams don't. 
That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the most successful coronavirus uh, fitness and training regime has actually been conducted by U-Corps. What are you talking about? Well trimmed down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> be trying, be trying. Mum's, mum's cooking. The person, the person I'm <laughs> podcasting opposite is fading and fading away each week. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. An excellent shade of red there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God people can't see this. All right. Yeah. Emmanuel, <laughs> thank you. Thank you again. Um, like I said, we should hear a lot more over the weekend after this meeting with the government uh, as the schedule starts to shake out and whatnot. So we hopefully we'll be back next week. Uh, you want to say anything more, Emmanuel? You know what would be great? If rugby league could get back on sooner, because I'm really paranoid about what could come out in the next couple of weeks. But on that note, <laughs> on that note, how good is rugby league? How good is rugby league? Thanks, Emmanuel. Guys, please rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. It's the best way to support us. See you next week. <laughs>